Well, it's a blessing. That was, that was a great song, brother. I was at a camp meeting one time. I saw a fellow from North Carolina nearly hang himself in a pine tree while they were singing that song. Take your Bible, please turn to Mark chapter number 2. Mark chapter number 2, we'll read the first 12 verses. Why don't you stand to honor the Word of God? You find this, you find this passage in Matthew and Luke as well, the Synoptic Gospels. But I, it's a tremendous, I'll use a little of all of them before we get done. Verse number one. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why did this man speak blasphemies who can forgive sins but God only and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves he said unto them why reason ye these things in your hearts whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy thy sins be forgiven thee or to say arise Take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, go thy way into thy house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Let's bow for prayer. Brother Bruce, would you lead us? Our Father, we come before you this morning thankful for your word. As it has been read and it has been imprinted upon our hearts, I ask that you give your servant the message that you have for us today. May the Holy Spirit have freedom to touch our hearts, to work in us, and to use this word 
to be like a hammer that will tear apart the things that we were used to resist you, but also to encourage us. Thank you for this story and for the Savior who does forgive sins. We're praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now take your Bible and turn over to Luke chapter 5. This is the parallel passage in Luke 5. And I want to look down into the passage uh, a little bit with you, beginning in verse number 17. It says, It came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. I call this group of Pharisees and doctors of law the hindering people. If you read our passage in in Mark where we read, they begin to question and reason in their hearts in verse 6. And it takes all the way down to verse number 11 before Jesus goes back into action. That's five verses out of our text that they reasoned in their own hearts, they said, this is what I think. Some of you are already saying in your heart, this is what I think. I want you to erase that, and let's go back to the Bible and hear what God has to say. Matters little what we think. It's vital that we understand what He says. So, the hindering people... And then, and then the verse says, they came out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. There were hurting people. I've got them, I've got them identified as hurting people and hungering people. They are hurting people. They, As we'll see, they've come with all kinds of diseases, but they come. Verse number one of our text said, it was noised that he was in the house. They did not come because the Pharisees were there. They did not come because of the ritual of the, of the, of the Jewish ritual. But they came for the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Could I say to you, they didn't come to the church house. They're in Peter's house as all this takes place. And uh, I'm just reminded of that verse over in Matthew chapter 18 where he said, Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I don't know what you came for church for this morning. I don't know what you're expecting. But he said, if you come expect this, that I'll be in the midst. And I really want to get where he is, don't you? 
I want to be where he shows up. I want to be where he does the work. These people, these hurting people or the hungry people in this respect, they have come looking to hear something. They've come looking, uh, hoping to see something and to experience something. I wonder if we, I wonder, I wonder if while we've prayed two or three times, uh, one of the men talked to me a little bit about public prayer this morning. It's easy to, it's easy to shift the gear when you get called on to pray, isn't it? And, and you lift your voice a little different and you word your words just a little different and, and, and you want to be heard uh, as an eloquent prayer in the crowd. Isn't that, that's our tendency, isn't it? But what Jesus said is, when you pray, you go to your closet. Shut the door. And when you get along with me, you talk to me. Let me do the, let me help you to pray. The Bible says over in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit will give us words when there is no words and give us utterance when we have no utterance. And He can help us to be pleasing in the sight of God. So I don't know what you prayed for about this service. But I'm asking you right now to get hungry. We are hurting to get hungry for the presence, the power, the words, and the work of the Lord himself in our midst. So that's the hindering people and the hurting people. And then we come in verse 18 and it says, And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. You, we'll see their determination I call these the helping people. You say, well, I've already heard this message before, Brother Wayne, then help me. Help the Lord. Get your, get your heart in tune with, the, with, the, with Him who is in the midst. And help that we can bring somebody... There's hurting people right here in this room. And maybe they need somebody to just help them get before Him. Or maybe you know somebody that's out there somewhere who needs to be before Him. Maybe God will put it on your heart to be a helping person. There's, there's, as I see the as I see the world situation, there's not but about three classes of people in the world. There's the, there's the helping people, there's the hurt, hurting people, and there's the hindering people. You in one of those three classes right now. 
So if you're hurting, you're in the right place. See, verse number, we're, I'm back in Mark now. Verse number one says, It was noised that he was in the house. When he comes on the scene, things are different, isn't it? I mean, when he shows up, and these, uh, I, I don't have time to go to all the scriptures, but over in Luke it said that the fame of him, he's, he, is, he has cleansed a leper. And they said, he said, leper, go your way and don't tell anybody. But the Bible said, he said, you go down to the priest, go through all the rituals, but don't tell anybody. But the Bible says that the leper, as soon as he got out of sight, began to tell it. And all of the whole countryside, now he said, there was no, they had no time even uh, for any rest. They couldn't, they couldn't eat a meal. They, Jesus has been out all night praying on a mountainside because he could get no rest in the congregation. These disciples are saying, let's go preach it some more. You know, what they knew was what we sometimes miss. Not only is he the Lord of all of glory, not only is he a special uh, in his presence, but he preaches the word of God. You want somebody said, "Boy, I wish I could preach like old brother so and so." I wish you could have heard old brother so and so preach. Hey, I would have. Wouldn't you like to been in the house when he was preaching? Wouldn't you like to heard the Son of God over there in uh, over there in Luke chapter four as he describes the preparation? It says in. Uh, in, in Luke 4 that he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and he went to the synagogue and asked for the Bible and they gave him the book of Isaiah open and, and he read this verse the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The Charismatics take this church, this verse. And they make it a healing verse. They say the emphasis of this scripture is he healing. Look at this. He's going to say about three times in this scripture that I'm here to preach. I came to preach. I've been anointed to preach. I want to say if there is a preaching verse in the Bible, this is a preaching verse. Verse 22 said... And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Verse 32 says, his word was with power. Verse 36 says, they are all amazed and spake among themselves saying, uh, 
What a word is this. For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits and they came out. The fame of him, then verse 37, the fame of him went out from that place. Not because of his healing power, but because of the preaching power of the word of God. And so, uh, I, uh, he was anointed to preach. He had power to preach. He said over in uh, John chapter 6, uh, after he had preached these truths in John 6, and, and get ready, when you move over to, the, to this heavenly gospel, it gets a little deeper. I mean, John chapter 6, I, I remember spending a week in Mexico. I was preaching a meeting every night, but I spent my days in John chapter 6, Brother Bruce, trying to figure out what that Bible was all about. And honestly, I never got to the bottom of it. There, it's a deeper, you know, I can confound you with one verse. Genesis chapter 1 said, In the beginning was God created the heaven and the earth. Yeah. When you get past that verse, we'll go on to the next verse. I, I mean, that's more than I can understand. That's more than I can fathom. My little, as Brother Jim always said, my little peanut brain just can't go any further. If you can understand Genesis chapter 1, you can pretty well accept the King James Bible then, can't you? So, but if you don't understand it, you better keep studying, right? That's what preaching's all about. Brother John was talking today about preachers and preaching. My job is not to tell you what to do. My job is not to tell you what I think is right or wrong. My job is to preach the truth of the Word of God. Then you'll answer to God for how you accept the truth. It's not Wayne Hudson's preaching. It's this Holy Spirit preaching a Holy Spirit-given book. That's how it that's how it really is. So, Paul says over in 1 Corinthians, I better give you some verses, I guess. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. He said, I'm not here to be the... I'm not here to be the uh, in my robe to be uh, the formal priesthood. I'm here with, with my, all of my dignity removed. I'm here as an humble servant of the Lord carrying the, the pure truth of the Word of God and trying to, to preach the Word with power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost that that word could be effective in your heart. That's, Paul said, that's what I'm here for. Because he said, for the preaching of the cross is to them that, that, that perish foolishness. Hey, there's a whole world out there today that is saying everything we're doing at Metropolitan Baptist Church is old-fashioned and out of date. 
And it just won't fit our society in the day. You better not listen to that junk. Go back to the book. He said, but unto us which are saved. This book is the power of God and the wisdom of God. It's a stumbling block to one group. It's a foolishness to another group. But unto us that are saved, it's the power of God. And there's not another place, my friend. You won't receive that from any... There's no philosophy or psychology or fads or fashion that can put that in your heart. You have to come to the Word of God with a number heart and be ready to accept the truth. There, hey, where's truth? Jesus said, this word is truth. My word is truth. You want to know the truth? Here's the truth. Accept the truth. Abide by the truth. Live in the truth. Or reject the truth. That's the only option you have. They came because he was in the house. They came to hear him preach the truth. The Word of God. So there's the opportunity. There's the evangelization opportunity. He says over in 2 Timothy chapter 4 to us, the church, verse 2, preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Down in verse 5 he said... Watch down all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. He's talking to the preacher boy, but before he's a preacher boy, he's just my dearly beloved son. He's that saved son of Paul. Who, and he said, I'm transferring some truth to you now. You transfer it to others who will receive the truth. That's, that's what preaching is all about. I've got a verse over here. I need to see what it says. Isaiah 32 verse 20 said, Blessed are ye that sow beside all waters. Could I say, somebody said, and you can go to Ecclesiastes. He said, cast your bread on the water and it'll return after many days. There's somebody, some of you have tried to be a witness. Some of you guys have tried to be a witness. And they laughed at you and rejected you and would not receive what you told them. Just keep throwing the bread out. One of these days it'll all come home. And you'll see somebody that'll receive that truth. And they'll bless your they'll be a they'll bless your heart for what you have given them off the truth of the word of God. What we're about is preaching the word of God. That's not what I'm preaching about this morning, but I want to get this out of the way and get it right. It's in context. He was in the house and he was preaching. The fame of him went out, not because he was in, he, not because of his great stature, not because of a robe and crown, because he, but because he had the power of God. He was anointed to preach the truth. I can take you back in my history to some old uh, preachers that were had about a third grade education. 
to eighth grade, somewhere in that, you know, they didn't, they, they didn't have a lot of schooling. But they had the anointing of God on them. And when they got, when they stepped forward, you could count on it. God's fixing to do something. And uh, that's kind of what I'd like to do, too. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you like to be walking in the power of God this morning? So come down to verse number three now. Verse three. <clears throat> verse two says, And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch there was no room to receive them, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came, and they come unto him, bringing. One sick of the palsy, which was born of four. I, I wanted to get me a blanket and get it out here and get some of these strong arms and show you how you carry, how you carry. It takes four. I mean, if you drop off one corner, look here. This guy can't reach back there and hold that corner up. Because he can't walk forward. This guy over here can't reach over here and hold the corner up because the feet are in the way. It takes four to carry him. Do you understand palsy? Palsy means complete. We talk about paraplegic or quadriplegic. Palsy is more than a quadriplegic. Palsy is completely Paralyzed. Susie and I used to go out to the nursing home. There was a there was a boy that would be. They had a little roll around uh, cot like thing that they uh, would bring him down to the living room, and Juan would be all curled up on that. He he he, he was palsied. He had had some kind of an accident, and he could not he couldn't move. He couldn't make any, he could grunt a little. And uh, I told him a story about a deaf person who couldn't do much, but he could point to Jesus and point to his heart. And old Juan got saved. He was a palsied beggar laying out there on that cot. He couldn't. Nobody, nobody cared much about him. His sister came and helped him a little bit, but otherwise he was on his own. After I, after I led him to the Lord, I could not go into the place. And then he'd start, uh, 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 and he'd have that smile on his face. That's all he could do. I believe he's in heaven now. I believe he went home to be with Jesus. He didn't, he did I don't know if he'd ever heard the gospel simple enough for he could understand it, but that day he just accepted it. And the best he could, he tried to express it every time I saw him. That's a palsy man. Look here. If I can find my verse. In verse number 5, 
said, when Jesus saw their faith. See, it was obvious that this palsy man had to have help. If he's going to hear the truth and be saved, right? And they have They have come, they see the need of their, uh, they see the need of this palsy man, and he represents every sinner. I mean, we may think we look pretty good, but but the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All, A-double-L, all. And every one of us come in here. You, you ever been through one of them airport x-ray machines? When you do like that, it shows you on, on the inside. Well, guess what? The Bible said, the heart of a man is desperately wicked and who can know it? That next verse says, Jeremiah 17 says, I can know it. I judge the reins and the heart. And he sees us on the inside. I mean, we, we all, we got before the mirror. We did the best we could with what we had to work with this morning. And we got all fixed up. And here we are at church. Aren't we something? But on the inside. What you got hit out on the inside. See, he's seeing you. He's not seeing your clothes. He's not seeing your hairdo. He's not seeing your makeup or your or your tie. Or he's seeing your heart. And that Bible said the heart of a man is desperately wicked. Outside of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to throw you away. You have no access to the Father. He sees you. When they, when they finally got the roof tore, don't you know old Peter grieved over that roof? They got the roof tore off and let him down. I was going to say something about this. Look at it. And they come bringing one sick of the which was born of four. It took four men to decide to bring this fellow to church. It took four men to get him, to bring this fellow to Jesus. I found this here a while back and I've been wanting to use it about the church. I'm, I want to preach on I wanted to preach on unity in the church. See this church is nothing. If it's just me, or if it's just you. I don't care how flashy you are. I don't know how much you know or what you can do. You can't be the church. I can't be the church. The church is, is a, it's not an organization, it's an organism. Put together by God himself. Jesus said, I'll build my church. And Paul describes the church over in Corinthians 
and likens us to body parts. I mean, there's a little toe. There's an aching knee. There, you know, the knee bone, neck connected to the thigh bone, thigh bone connected to the hip bone, and and what's the rest of it? Something about praise, praise the Lord. He's the one who hooked it all together. And we became an organism as the church, a living organism that carries the gospel to a lost world. Henry Ford wrote this year before he ever put out the Model T. He was, he was a master administrator. Here's what he said. Coming together, we have a beginning. Keeping together, we have a process. Thinking together, we have unity. Working together, we have success. If we get folks saved, see, if he got to Jesus, they came, the, hey, the hindering crowd had blocked the door. The press was so much, they couldn't get in. They came. And there had to be, had to be cooperation. How do you get a man up on, with palsy up on the roof? Took four. How do, what do you do once you get on the roof? Somebody said, tear the shingles off. I've thought about this scene a lot. Jesus is down here preaching. And the press is all around him. I preached in Harris County Jail when it was so crowded. That that jailer put us in in a stainless steel room and filled it up with people. I I had a fellow that was playing the guitar and leading the singing. There was room for me and him to stand. And everybody else had to either kneel or stand. They couldn't sit down. And they filled the room up, and he locked the door and left for, he said, I'll be back in an hour. Can you picture Jesus in that crowd? Can you picture, I mean, he's preaching. As I preached that day, I stepped on one of those inmates' hands. He was a big guy. I was a little nervous about it, boys. But uh, he said, it's okay, preacher. They got to singing, Jesus on the main line. You can tell him what you want. And once they got started singing it, y'all ever heard that song? You clap when you sing it. Jesus on the main line. You can tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line. Give him all your needs. It's a good song. I like the song. But we sung it for 10 minutes. And my guitar player, he wasn't big as a minute, but he was getting, he was getting aggravated. He, he kept saying, let's stop. Then he was saying, shut up. By the time I got to preaching, he had him so aggravated. It was crowd there. Can you see the scene? And they're up on the roof, tearing the roof off. 
I don't know if you've ever tore a roof off or not or been around where the roof got, but some of it's going to fall down. I remember the last time I tore into the roof, we tried to put a cardboard box under the hole to catch so Susie wouldn't have a mess to clean up when we got through tearing the roof off. I mean, Peter was running around with his box trying to catch stuff. What I'm trying to say is it took cooperation. Somebody up there is tearing it off. And when he, when he saw them, he said, your faith. I saw your faith. I wonder if there's I wonder how many of us came in here this morning, prayed up and ready to meet with him. I wonder how many of us came in and he could say, I see that I see that one's faith. I see that one's faith. I see that one's faith. I, I see that one. I see faith right over there. I see faith. They're coming, they're coming expecting to meet with me this morning. Well, some come for donuts, some for coffee. Guilty, Lord. And I, some, some to show off their new tie or hairdo. I remember somebody telling me about is a chance to dress up once a week. My next door neighbor, I walked out in my suit one day and she said, I wish my husband would dress up like that. I, well, if you come to church with him, maybe he would. Who knows? But it's not a dress up time. I, I believe in dressing up for the Lord. I believe we ought to come in looking a little different than we do out there on the streets. But it's not, this, this out here doesn't matter. It's what's in here that matters. He looked past their clothes. He, don't you imagine they a little ragged by now? If, they, if that heat there was like the heat here, by the time they got that boy up on the roof and tore the roof off, they began to sweat a little bit. Some of them might have their hair down in their face. Right? But they came together with a beginning and they kept together with a process and they thought together in unity and they worked together till they got to success. Good, good statement, Henry. We could use it in our church. A little bit of unity. Somebody praying, somebody working, somebody helping, somebody doing, somebody uh, bringing, somebody caring. Unity of the church. Now he had a visible need. When you walked into the nursing home, everybody there knew that old one had a palsy problem. He couldn't push a wheelchair. He couldn't he couldn't do anything. All he could do is lay there and grunt. It didn't take a smart person to know that he had a visible 
need. If somebody didn't feed one, he wouldn't get fed. If somebody didn't wash him, he would not be washed. He had a visible need. If this guy didn't get somebody to carry him up on the roof and drop him into the crowd, he'd never get to Jesus. He had a visible need. But every one of us with visible needs have got hidden needs. And when Jesus looked, he didn't look at these needs, he looked at the faith of these folks that worked together. He said, verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith. I tried to work this message one time. I tried to talk about desperation and determination and but that doesn't, I couldn't ever make that work. What I got down to was cooperation that brought him to Jesus, and Jesus did all the rest of it. They had nothing. Once they turned him over to Jesus, it was over. Jesus had the complete fix. And he was doing it all not on what they could do, but by their faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that cometh unto God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek. Thomas said, if I can't put my finger in his hand, I won't believe. If I can't trust my hand in his side, I won't believe. And Jesus came and was eating fish and honey and said, Thomas... Here I am. Come put your finger in my hand. Come put your hand in my side. You remember, remember what Thomas did? Thomas fell out on the floor. And he said, my Lord and my God. Now you can say my God up here, but you have to say my Lord. No man can call him Lord. Except the Holy Spirit dwells in him. That's what the Bible says. You, hey, you guys, listen now. Some of us have called him God from up here, and we're satisfied that we've made some kind of profession that's going to get us to heaven. No. It'll take calling him Lord from down here. It'll take absolute faith and trust that he is the only Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. That's when we get saved. That's when he's done a work in our heart. When we surrender ourselves to him. Paul, Paul was the Jewish terrorist struck down on the road to Damascus. Remember what he said? Lord, what would you have me to do? He recognized from a heart that it was, hey, he was a religious zealot. He could quote you the, the he could quote you the, the law. He knew the he was zealous about doing the works of the law. But he needed more than that. He needed a Lord of his heart. So so the verse says, he saw their faith. And he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. 
I've, I've heard uh, Bruce's dad teach and preach on intercession several times. I preached some mission conferences where Bruce's dad would do the teaching, and intercession for missions was his subject almost every time. Intercession means I pray for you, or you, or you. And, and God, out of my faith, He does something for you. There's folks, there's folks all over this audience that would say, if it hadn't been for old brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, I never would have been saved. But they kept praying for me and kept, kept telling me and kept showing me Jesus with their life. One day I just finally surrendered myself and he saved me. We've all got somebody like that. That's what, that's what preaching's all about. Being a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw their faith. Their faith did not save him, but their faith exercised the, the work of God that would save him. You understand what I'm saying? That, and, that, that, and so, the, the cooperation... I've got a whole bunch of points I want to try to get to an end. Let's go to the demonstration. He said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. That's in verse 5. Now, I've already mentioned this. You read verse 6. There were certain of the scribes sitting there reasoning in their hearts. This is the hindering crowd. Well, I just wonder if, he was, wonder if that was real. I, when he went down that aisle, I, I, I remember being in a... Well, I'm not going to get to that story. I can't see their heart and you can't see their heart. It's not up to us to, whether to wonder why and where and how. It's up to them and God. They've got to settle it. That, hey, sinner, you've got to settle it for yourself. You've got to settle it with God. It'll take... He said, he said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Who's he talking to? He's talking to that guy with the palsy. He's not talking to the hindering crowd. He's not talking to the visitors. He's not talking to the congregation. He's talking heart to heart with a lost sinner. But in verse 6, they begin to reason in their heart. Why? Who? Verse 7. Why and who? And then uh, Jesus perceived their spirit. He said, is it easier to say to the, verse 9, to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or rise, take up thy bed and walk. Now here's where it gets interesting. And, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, Son, I say to you, arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went forth before them. All right, now it's a good time for testimony. Any of y'all ever have show and tell at school? Huh? See them hands. Y'all ever do show and tell? I remember I had a 
I had an arrow that I picked up in Colorado. It, it had come out of an elk. That elk had been carrying it ever since bow season. I was tracking the elk in the snowstorm after, in the rifle season, and the elk, with a little bit of blood on his tip, it was laying out there on the trail. It came out of the elk. I remember carrying that home. I had a nine-year-old grandson that was just fascinated with that arrow and the story. You know, the elk had carried it for a month or so, and, and then it fell out of the... The old elk was still alive, and I had the arrow. He said, Grandpa, can I take that arrow to school for show and tell? Well, I guess it's still in school because I never did get it back. <laughs> you know, he, he took it so he could tell the story. He'd never seen an elk. He'd never seen a snowstorm. We lived in Houston. Doesn't snow down. But he was fascinated with the story of the elk carrying the arrow for a month and it was exciting to him and he could go to school and show the era and tell the story. He said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. It was over right there. He didn't get saved on an installment plan. His sins were forgiven that moment when Jesus said it's forgiven. But he said, I'll give you the show and tell version. And he turned around to that palsied man. He turned around to old Juan laying there on that. And all old Juan can do is grunt a little bit and point a finger and smile. And he said, get up from there and pick up your bed and go home. And the story got exciting when the when he picked up his bed. And the whole crowd said, we've never seen it on this fashion before. You say, boy, I wish I had a testimony like old brother so-and-so. You can't have a testimony. You can have your testimony. But your testimony needs to be real with God who can forgive sin. He said, whether I say your sins be forgiven or whether I say pick up your bed and walk, it's all the same. The Bible said if any man be in Christ, we ought to get this first part down. He is a new creation. That happens with new birth. New birth cannot be done out of your heart New birth has to be done out on God's part. He'll have to birth you into the family. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, He will birth you. And He said, then that Holy Spirit indwells us. And when the Holy Spirit is in us, it's not a problem to take up your bed and walk. If any man being Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. I'm not a, I'm not a uh, palsy anymore. 
and all things are become new. I can pick up my own bed and carry my own bed and walk on this one way. So that one way to go to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. They said, we've never seen it on this passion before. Well, friend, get ready. When he shows up, you're going to see some stuff you hadn't seen. You're going to hear some stuff you hadn't heard. And you're going to believe some things that you didn't think you could ever believe. When he does it. My question is, where are you at in all this? Are you, a, are you in the hindering crowd, skeptical about everything? Are you in the helping crowd, just wanting want to pray or want to carry or want to do or whatever it takes to get somebody to the Lord? Are you there? That ought to be our attitude, church. Or are you in the hurting crowd? You know you're helpless. You know you can't do one thing to please the Lord. And you just don't know how quite how to get it fixed. Let me just say, hear him. Look to Him. Trust Him. He sees your faith. He says your sins are forgiven. When you come to Him, He'll put you to carrying beds and making your way home. And it'll be evident that God's working in you. Or yet. Took them five verses just to decide what He was doing whether it's right or wrong. Are you skeptical that the Lord can't do anything for you? Or are you, do you have enough faith to just trust Him? Whatever He says, that's what I'll do. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He that hath my commandments and doeth them, he it is that loveth me. Are you there? Are you willing to do whatever he puts before you? That's the only attitude that's acceptable for him. Let's stand. Heads are bowed. Father, I pray you'll just have your way right now. I pray you direct I pray you direct this invitation time. I pray God that you take charge of this invitation. Help Brother John as he sings. Help the uh, the pianist to play, but God, help our hearts to seek you. We're either hindering or we're, we're hurting or we're hungry or we're helping. We're, we can't be all of them. We can just be one of them. Please have your way with us. Help us to search our own heart. Thank you for coming by here. Thank you for preaching your word this morning. God, I pray you'd take that word to the heart of that hurting individual who needs help. 
Please have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's 351. Won't you come? If God's speaking to you, the altars are open. Somebody here can take a Bible and show you just exactly how to get to Jesus. Why don't you come? church if there's any hindrance around you in you you know about why don't you get it right why don't you bring it to God and ask him to take the hindrance whether it's you or somebody else take the hindrance out of this church and make us a helping people Bringing people to Jesus. That's what it's all about. I don't, I can't say, well, that's hindering, that's hindering. I don't know. I'm just asking you to search your own heart. Do what God tells you to do about it, church. There's some, there's some helpless people here. Hungry people here who need what only God can do. Don't dare hinder what God wants to do. Pray now. Seek it out. Have you, let Him have His way right now.